I'm Wayne Rubin, and I want to welcome you to the podcast, Hard Yards in Leadership, where we explore the tough leadership challenges experienced by successful leaders along their journey. I hope hearing their stories will help you predict, prepare, and survive the inevitable challenges you will face on your leadership journey. Let's get into it. G'day, listeners, and welcome to this episode of Hard Yards in Leadership. Well, for some time, I've been grappling with other sorts of leaders that we could potentially have on on the show who would add different experiences to their hard yards. And one of the things I wanted to do was explore having some younger leaders on, people who are quite new in their overall leadership journey, and hear from them as they talk about some of their hard yards and the particular experiences that they found most challenging. So welcome to today's episode where we do that for the very first time. And I'm going to introduce you to an extremely talented, thoughtful, articulate young lady by the name of Ellie Wright. And Ellie's story is really pretty simple. She was in the travel industry. She got her first break into management. Let's just say timing can be everything because it was essentially exactly as the pandemic restrictions started to hit. So Ellie's hard yards came at her very, very hard and very, very fast from almost the very first day of her being in a leadership role. Her story of how she dealt with that, how she overcome multiple challenges, how she had to find self and motivation and strength through all of that makes fantastic listening. There's a stack of lessons in there. She's a delight to listen to. You're really going to enjoy my next guest. Welcome, Ellie. Hey, Wayne, or should I say soon-to-be father-in-law, how are you doing? (laughs) You can call me that if you want. And it's really great to have you on and get the opportunity to talk to you a little bit about your leadership journey. And of course, unlike some leaders that we've had on the show, you know, who've been doing this for kind of like decades and whatever else, you're in the earlier part of your leadership journey, but still carry huge responsibility in your role. So look forward to kind of hearing some of your stories about leadership. Yeah, look forward to chatting. Let's jump in. And the first thing I want to ask you to do is think about the first time in your life that you realize oh my gosh, I've got leadership responsibility here. Can you think when that was? I'd say from a young age, I was always the kid that wanted to be leading the team or representing the group in a classroom or talking about what we'd just kind of figured out within the group and sharing it with the rest of the team, leading sports teams. So I think that came quite naturally to me to want to be that person leading the group. I didn't really consider leadership as a career pathway until probably maybe only a year or two before I took on the role within the business. My personality, I like to be able to be good at what I'm doing. And before I even think about the next step, I want to have mastered what I'm doing currently. So my mind was very much in that mindset for a lot of the time in my previous role prior to becoming a leader, but through some coaching and some convincing from some of my leaders and mentors, I decided to take the challenge professionally as well. At the moment, I'm managing a team of account managers in a commercial team for a travel company at (laughs) Booking.com. So Ellie, what I've heard is that, you know, you kind of had lots of leadership growing up and at school and in sports and whatever. And a lot of our guests, actually, it's interesting when I ask that question, a lot of our guests kind of refer back to time at school and sports teams and whatever. When you look back on that part before you kind of actually, you know, got formal training in your workplace, are there things that you realise you'd kind of learnt to do well from, you know, that sort of leadership in school and leadership in sports teams and so on? 
Yeah, I think one of the main things that that gave me the opportunity to learn was being direct and getting things done. I think a lot of the time people look towards someone else within a group to be the one that makes the decision or the one that actually takes the action. And I think having those roles in my time growing up made me very confident to speak up and start getting action happening in those types of situations. And then in the corporate setting, you said that it was quite a purposeful kind of decision for you as you developed as an individual contributor, but then chose eventually to put your hand up and be considered for a leadership role. Do you recall how you felt when you first found out, yes, I have that role? I felt quite overwhelmed. I also felt quite relieved because the interview process that I went through was quite long and I was up against somebody who on paper had much more experience than me in leadership and also tenure within the business. So it was a little bit unexpected that I did get the role. I had kind of told myself that it's unlikely that I was going to get it. So to be able to get it was quite a shock. And then coming into the role and really thinking about, oh, wow, all of these people are now relying on me and looking to me. For the first couple of weeks, that's quite a strange realisation to have after being like an individual contributor for so many years and, well, my whole corporate life so far. And you were put in a position where you were then going to be leading people that you were teammates with previously, is that right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So I went from being in the team, one of the more experienced members of the team, to leading the team. So I was really familiar with all of the people in the team, which I had thought would be good in all cases. But I think I learned very quickly that I didn't necessarily benefit from knowing everybody in the team that well. This is a situation that other guests have talked about as well. When you come from being in the team to suddenly being the leader of the team, it has its challenges. So, hey, Ellie, you know, the the podcast is called Hard Yards in Leadership. So let's unpack some of those. Tell us about some of the things that maybe you had a shot at in some of those early days with all of the best of intent, but maybe didn't quite go to plan. I think one of the biggest things to go off what I just mentioned is thinking that you know someone from having worked with them and knowing what makes them tick and what motivates them and what type of person they are, then going into that leadership role and your relationship with that person completely changing and you very quickly finding out that those things that you thought that person entailed, completely different and having to try and figure out quickly, how can I really find out what makes this person tick. So I do remember there was one person in particular in my team who I thought I had completely worked out. Like we had a really great relationship as colleagues. I knew exactly what made him tick. And then as soon as I moved into that leadership role, our relationship completely changed. And he was one of the people that I got on with the most within the team as colleagues. And he quickly became the most difficult person for me to manage in the team. Not knowing what people are like and them not living up to what you think they're going to be like was something that I learned quite early on. It's so difficult, isn't it? Because you kind of feel like the world that you've been seeing through your own eyes 
is actually suddenly a different colour than you thought it was, isn't it? It's like you just don't see that coming and you realise just how different people treat you because you have that title now and that responsibility. Absolutely. I think that's common of people who go from being in the team to, you know, leader of the team. How did you steer through that? How did you kind of like work that relationship and eventually turn it to something positive or didn't it? It did it. (laughs) So (laughs) I think something that I hadn't considered much prior to being in a leadership role was determining what motivates people. I think naively coming into a leadership role, you often think that everybody ticks the same way as you, right? So everybody's motivated the same way. Everybody is the same level of hardworking as you are. And that wasn't something I'd thought about much. So what I tried to do with that person was really think about what is it that motivates this guy and how can I do that for him? I tried to figure that out for probably 18 months without much luck. (laughs) I had a similar situation with other people in the team, which I was able to successfully figure that out and change my style and make it through to a really positive relationship with those guys. But yeah, this one person, I was never really able to quite get there. So yeah, he's actually just left the business recently after yeah the 18 months in my team and then he moved to a different manager and she had similar challenges. So having seen another manager have that same challenge with him, I think maybe it was him, not us. While you were going through that, because you said 18 months, gosh, that's a, that's a long time pulling off that Band-Aid, isn't it? And you're trying one angle and you're trying a different angle. What feelings did you have as you were desperately trying to kind of work out What's the shape of this person's jigsaw puzzle, you know? At the start, I would say like feelings of challenge, but in a positive way, like, oh, cool, this is like a really good chance for me to grow and learn. But after a couple of months and just running into like the same roadblocks over and over again, definitely feelings of frustration and questioning my abilities. Like, can I do this job? Like, why can't I get this guy to work well with me. What is it that I'm doing wrong? And I think that's something that is really difficult as a young leader. There's no rule book, right? Like everybody is different and everyone's going to react to your leadership style in a different way. And there's no way of knowing like what you're doing, is it right or wrong? And I think that's definitely something I've struggled with as a larger theme being a young leader. And it's really interesting kind of hearing you verbalise that, Ellie, because, you know, what you've almost talked about there is actually the whole reason this podcast exists, you know, which is my recognition of having worked with a lot of younger leaders through many years in mentoring programs and coaching as I do now and, and other things. You know, this thing that people keep on coming back to is stuff like what you're talking about now, like working with someone who you just can't work out what is it that is going to motivate them And particularly in situations like so many of us have been, where we go from being in the team to being the leader of the team and suddenly this person who you thought you knew has become a different person. And it creates so much angst and kind of it goes from, like you said, an interesting challenge, yeah, I can work this out, to how are you supposed to do this? And then that kind of then brings on kind of feelings of sort of self-doubt and, and, you know, can I do this? And, you know, the simple reality is, you know, those of us have been doing this stuff for, for decades, you know, we have the same thing, you know, like give me a team of 20 people and I'll guarantee there's going to be one or two in that group who 
I just can't figure out and we just can never quite make our kind of our pieces connect and you can try and try and try but it doesn't necessarily work and ultimately I think you you said the the realization that you come to which is that maybe it's them not me it's certainly partly them it doesn't mean that we're not capable leaders and and potentially very good leaders it's just part of what happens when you lead people and some people kind of don't necessarily want to be led and they don't necessarily want to be led by someone who they feel you know is was ultimately you know a peer right my guess is that probably in those early early months there were other challenges as well i think my biggest challenge which is the one that i prepared for to tell you all about today is when i became a leader and taking on the leadership role in april 2020 so we'll just let that sit for a moment. What what were you up to in April 2021? It was an interesting time in the in the world. There was a, a little bit of a bug floating around, I think, wasn't there, too? Yeah. For those who've forgotten, there was the beginning of a global pandemic kicking off shortly after my leadership career kicked off. And how did that go for the travel industry? Because I think you're in the travel industry, aren't you, Ellie? Unprecedented times. And <laughs> not a lot went on in the travel industry for quite a while after that. But yeah, jokes aside taking on the leadership role right as the pandemic was kicking off was absolutely my biggest challenge in the first couple of months. But I would say probably even until this year, I think at least two, two and a half years of my first time as a leader were challenging in regards to COVID. Let's just unpack that for a sec. So essentially, as the world slid into COVID-restricted life. Yeah. The travel industry essentially ground to a halt. In fact, it kind of mainly went into reverse, didn't you? Like you were probably processing cancellations and all manner of other things, but your revenue must have gone backwards kind of like 90% or some number. Yeah. Something just unprecedented. Absolutely. Yeah. Like to be in a thriving company, business planning for a a new role and a new team with this is what I'm going to do for the next 12 months. This is where I'm going to go. These are the targets I'm going to hit with the team to negative numbers for the next 18 to 24 months. And that plan that I'd put together being thrown out of the window was one of the hardest things that I've ever faced in my career. How did you work through that? Because, I mean, you're trying to learn to be a leader whilst the environment around you, it's not just changing, it's essentially collapsing like just an extraordinary amount of pressure and change. So how did you kind of like deal with all of that and not just go, oh, screw this? I think I really had to change my mindset from forward facing and looking at what am I going to do in the next month? What am I going to do in the next three months and the next year to what am I going to do tomorrow? Or even what am I going to do today? Really shifting from that forward planning to, okay, in the morning we're logging on, what's happened overnight, what border restrictions have changed, who's in lockdown, who's not, and navigating the way through the day. So being much more present rather than constantly looking forward and looking at targets and everything like that, it was more let's just get through the day. I think my role as a business leader shifted a little bit from driving the business. As you said, the business was in the toilet going backwards much faster than it was going forwards to almost a counsellor and just 
listening to these team members and helping them get through the day at work and trying to make that a distraction from what was going on in the rest of the world. So what you've just described is extraordinarily challenging for the most experienced of leaders. And, you know, I I was trying to pedal my bike through that period as well. And it was without hesitation, the most difficult leadership period that I've ever encountered. I had a little bit more battle scars before I went into it and still found it extraordinarily difficult. How did you kind of find your sense of this is the best way to deal with things and where did your motivation come from, your energy come from? I think for me, the biggest shift that I had to do to keep myself motivated was shifting from being results-driven to being effort-driven. In our business, it's very KPI-driven. There's a KPI on everything. Like Booking.com is known for being one of the most data-driven companies in the world. Every single day, we're looking at multiple different metrics and driving the team forward against those. But for those to basically be out of the window, there was nothing for me to (laughs) go for and motivate the team with. So having to change my mindset into how can we measure the effort that we're putting into supporting our partners and trying to be there for those business partners during this difficult time. And that's what motivated me was these are the things that I want to do in this day today. Have I ticked them off at the end of the day? What impact have I had on my team members for them to be able to have a positive impact on our partners who were all in the same boat. You know, that's really digging deep, isn't it, in those sorts of situations. And I guess across the team, people would have been dealing with it differently themselves, right? I'm Very differently, as I'm sure you observed as well. How did different people react through that phase? Like some people were very unemotional and just, okay, business as usual. I'm here to do my job. I'm going to do that to the best of my abilities like usual. And then I'm going to log off at the end of the day. Whereas other people, a total mess on the floor. (laughs) So having to firstly identify which way I thought that my team members had gone and Mm. thinking back to the fact that I'd only just started managing these people, like most of them, I hadn't even really had that first one-on-one with them in the leader to team member role. Like the last time we had spoke was as colleagues in the office the day that they were like, take your stuff home, you might need to work from home for a week. So for that first interaction as manager to team member to be, how are you dealing with the world collapsing around you? Not how would you like to have this manager team member relationship go was definitely challenging. Yeah. And you talk, Ellie, about, you know, some people you know, reacting differently and some people kind of almost being a mess on the floor. I mean, one of the hardest things as a leader in these sorts of phases is to keep finding energy day after day after day. And, you know, most of us didn't succeed in doing that. Did you have some times where you were kind of like just the snorkel was just below the surface? Oh, absolutely. I think we were very lucky that No one in our business was stood down during that first kind of six-month period when a lot of our competitors and industry peers were. So that's good in itself that (laughs) we were kept on, but also we weren't kept on to do much, right? There wasn't a lot of (laughs) business happening for us to 
be able to interact with our partners on. So to keep people busy or motivated when there was really not a lot to do was definitely difficult. And there was days that for sure, I was like, we're literally just wasting our time. Like all we're doing today is calling these hotels just to check, hey, you still there? We heard this on the news, like maybe Queensland's going to open its borders this week. Like that might drum up a bit of business. We're not, we're not really sure if it will, but it might. And yeah, some of those days I was like, what, why are we doing this? Like, what is the point of this? And it's only now coming out of the pandemic and back into business as usual that we've seen the results of that. Like they were very long-term results. <laughs> like three years later, we are seeing the results in our market share. We're seeing um, our competitors lost share during that time because they weren't there and we were the ones that were there, even if it was just checking in to see how their day had been. We are the people that they think of now when they want to drive more business and they pick up the phone and they say, hey, how's it going? Like they remember that we were there during that time. So while at the time it felt like, what are we doing? How was that like a useful use of my time? Mm -hmm. Now those results are paying off. Yeah, there's a great lesson in that, isn't there? And just from a business perspective, as much as a leadership perspective, you know, that we always talk about this concept of partnering and it's such an overused word in in modern business. But the concept of being a partner is you kind of are there through thick and thin. And I think as you describe, people tend to have a great memory for when you're there, even if it's just notional support during tough times. Mm. You know, I think that's a great lesson for all of us because there will always be tough times and it's very easy to kind of go, oh, tough times, we, we'll just pull away. But there's also been some very courageous business decisions being made upstream in, in your business for, for people to choose to keep folks on, knowing that one level, we don't know how long this is going to be for, right? Mm. That gets me to something else that I wanted to explore in the pandemic phase. I always thought this was one of the hardest parts about being a leader through through the pandemic period was it wasn't a steady curve in and a steady curve back out again. There were a lot of kind of like, it's on, it's back off again. You know, this border's open, now it's closed again. <laughs> I remember being in, in New Zealand at one stage on a vacation, I think three days in, we suddenly got the news that the border was about to close the next day and if we didn't get back, then we'd, we'd be stuck there. But for you dealing with your team, the sense of, you know, when there's positive news that a border's open, whatever it might be, gives people hope and then it's kind of like off we go and then bang, the next thing is it's closed again and, and whatever. How hard was it to keep motivating the team through that kind of endless uncertainty very hard. <laughs> yeah, I think it's hard to motivate yourself during times like that, let alone motivate a team of people. And I think early on during COVID, I kind of felt as though it was my role as the leader to be positive and optimistic all the time. And that's just not sustainable. So I think the way that I got through that and became probably better at motivating people was being more vulnerable and acknowledging that, yeah, hey guys, this is a shit time. Like I was feeling really great about this news and now I'm feeling not so great. Like I'm going to log off an hour early and just do something nice for myself. So being vulnerable about the way that I was feeling, I think helped other team members 
feel more comfortable and be more keen to share their own feelings and really support each other through that journey. Yeah, it's a great point and a a really strong lesson too, you know, that the concepts of vulnerability and authenticity kind of are fundamental to the ability of leaders to have true engagement with folks. You know, as you say, if we're kind of like endlessly bubbly and happy, even when the situation is really just total crap, people just go, well, you're not real, you know, and, and, and I think we lose a lot of, we'll actually end up losing trust, which is the foundation of everything that leadership is based on. And the realisation, you know, especially for, for newer leaders, that, you know, whilst there's this concept that leaders are responsible for creating hope, creating hope in a situation that is at least temporarily hopeless, you just have to press the pause button on that. You just have to be real and just get through it together and wait for the, for the strong signals and then kind of like be ready to kind of like re-motivate your team. And, you know, it sounds like you had a lot of discovery lessons through that phase, which I guess you can now kind of call wonderful learning gifts, even if they didn't really feel like it at the time. Definitely. I think it also reminds me of something that you said to me once, which is all of these people are just people. Like when you look at these leaders and all of these people doing these things during COVID, like if I use my friend Dan Andrews as an example, we were seeing him every day on the TV for six months, giving us an update on the case numbers. And you think of him as some Superman that has all the answers, but in reality, he's just leaving that press conference and going home and probably saying to his wife, wow, that was a pretty shit day at work. So trying to make yourself real and authentic is such a powerful thing with the team. As fun as it is talking about COVID times, let's let's um, jump in our little time machine now and, and come forward because, of course, there was an end to COVID times and the travel industry has has bounced back. But I guess that also meant that you had to shift gears from kind of being more caring for the team to actually having to get everyone back into in, into business mode. And as much as it, it may sound from a distance, like, you know, you just, you know, you walk in, switch the lights on and suddenly everything everything starts to happen. Maybe it wasn't that easy. Tell us about any challenges you had in that kind of like restart of the business and, you know, the, the development phase that happened, you know, in more recent times. Yeah. So I think, as you said, the travel industry bounced back and we bounced back in a big way. It was amazing to see overnight with the announcement of a border opening, just the bookings flooding back in. And I think that was the same for a lot of industries, not just ours, which really was fantastic for us. But from a people perspective, it also presented a lot of new opportunities for team members to explore outside of our business as well. So I think the next challenge that I had very quickly after the bounce back was recruitment and growing the team again. So we all know our friend, the great resignation, who reared their head towards the end of, I think, 2021, mainly. And I had 75% of my team members, so I think it was seven of my 10, resign um, within a three-month period. So... (laughs) That presented my next challenge. And because we'd really been laying dormant for 18 months by that point, I'd never recruited. I'd never um, found new staff. All of these things that you do as a leader day to day in non-COVID times, 
were just starting for me, even though I was 18 months into the role at that point. Right, yeah. Yeah, my next challenge was recruitment and finding the right people for the team. And it's only now, 18 months after that again, that I can say that I have got those right people and I have made it to where I want to be. And there are a lot of lessons and challenges along the way. So so what are some of those lessons, Ellie? I would say the biggest lesson that I learned over that time was how to find the balance between focusing your time on people that are underperforming and focusing your time on people who have potential and really want to grow. And I think I had that balance wrong for a lot of those 18 months. And as a result, I potentially lost some of those people that had potential because I was too focused on people who weren't performing and trying to fix them. That's a really insightful reflection. And again, I'll say it's something that 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 very specific situation you're describing is something that comes up so often when I'm working with founders and other leaders literally just all the time. You know, I listen to people kind of talking about challenges they face in their team and what we're trying to do in terms of taking an entire team forward. And all I hear about is I keep on coming back to the one or two people who are non-performers. And it's incredibly hard, isn't it, to kind of to recognise when you keep on being drawn back to those non-performers, you're actually neglecting the people who are trying and who want more guidance and you end up creating a culture that you actually didn't really intend because you're so sucked into that into that vortex. And then the end result is you lose the people who had potential and, and sometimes you end up having to lose the ones who don't have potential, but it, you realise that it's a decision you probably should have taken a long time ago, right? Yeah, and then you lose them at the same time. Just to make it a little bit more difficult. <laughs> yeah, the, the staggered loss would be much easier than everybody at once. You're listening to Hard Yards in Leadership, where leaders share the stories of their hardest yards in their leadership journeys. I hope every leader who hears these stories recognises that the things that they find hard are the same things that the rest of us leaders find hard too. It's my dream that every leader finds the joy in leading. It will help you be a happier person, a better leader for your business, and a better leader for those that you lead. If you like the show, please subscribe, drop us a review, and most importantly, share to others who may benefit from it too. Now back to the show. What we've just been talking about is incredibly difficult, but I'm sure you've had other challenges as well in your revitalization of the business and your journey as as a new leader. So share with us, please, one other situation of a hard yard that you've had to had to work through. I think that something that I've also found challenging and something that I didn't consider to really be true until I was in the position myself is the saying, it's lonely at the top. Yeah. In our business, we are quite centralised in our headquarters, which for us is in Amsterdam, so different time zone on the other side of the world. And we have quite small teams in all of our locations. So for me in Melbourne, we have a team of 10 people. So to be the only leader in that one location is exciting for me and a great challenge, but it's also lonely a lot of the time because I'm the only person in that role in that location. 
not like my team who have nine other peers who they can relate to and share stories with and challenges with on a daily basis. The nature of being a leader is there's a lot of things that you can't necessarily talk about with the rest of the team, a lot of personal or confidential situations. So that presents quite a lot of challenges for me week in, week out, being not able to share how I'm feeling with somebody in the same office as me and people in the same role as me, colleagues and peers within Australia and outside in our region. But to not have someone face-to-face that you can just grab a coffee with and say, hey, this is what I'm really struggling with, like any advice is quite a lonely feeling sometimes. I think it's not just lonely in leadership, but I think it's also particularly um, something that you experience in your first leadership role and especially in a situation like yours, you know, where there, there aren't other leaders physically in the same space. And, you know, we have a lot of founders that listen to the show and 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 they often experience that as well because they, you know, start a, start a business with a, a, a small group of people who kind of like it's all, everyone's all chipping in. And then as the business starts to grow, suddenly they go, oh gosh, I'm kind of a CEO now, even though they were at the beginning. Um, but they're starting to have to act like that and they suddenly have that same kind of sense of of loneliness because there aren't any other leaders at, at their same level. So it's a challenge that we all face in those phases. And the simple reality is it's just not easy. But so what's been your way of minimising that sense of loneliness and making sure that it doesn't really actually kind of get on top of you? For me, it's about taking time for myself. As a leader, we tend to fill our day with supporting other people and meetings and any downtime is spent responding to a team member or planning something for a different person. So scheduling in regular times to connect with my leadership peers, even if it's over Zoom, which most of the time it is, or chatting to one of my personal friends or acquaintances that are also in a leadership role in a different business, just to share casually over coffee, hey, what's happening with you. These are the things I'm challenging with at the moment. And making sure that I regularly give myself time to do that is how I deal with that. Yeah. And that's that's a a great technique. And I think really important thing for people to think about because ultimately in the first instance, just coping with it isn't the answer. We're social social animals and, and we need to be able to kind of unload difficult things that we experience. And when there aren't people near to us that we can kind of have a recognition that they have, you know, similar responsibilities and therefore there's a kind of like a, you know, a, a cone of trust. You know, the, the mistake people sometimes make is having kind of favoured folks in the team that they share leadership challenges with. And, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, you end up with a, a strong sense of favouritism and, and, you know, secrets are leaked and, and all sorts of other things. So not talking to anyone is a disaster. Talking to someone within the team is probably worse. What you've just described, I think, is a fantastic way. You've got to work your networks. You've got to find people who, you know, carry that same level of responsibility and and that you can kind of talk to. And if it has to be on Zoom, then let it be on Zoom. And if it means sometimes kind of denting some of your personal time because of different time zones, then so be that. But without that kind of space that we can kind of like just open up and unload, we're kidding ourselves if we believe in the long term that we can you know, just absorb all of the things that we, we get faced with, right? So thanks for sharing, you know, Ali, as we as I listen to you kind of talking about some of the different things that you faced 
you kind of get the award of you're the newest leader so far that we've had on Hard Yards in Leadership. But boy, timing is everything, right? So the moment that you got into, into leadership and some of the challenges you faced and everything, there's been a hell of a lot of hard yards in that leadership career. And I'm sure it's been fantastic for listeners to be able to kind of hear your stories because there's a, I'm sure every one of us is kind of listening to each of those and kind of going, I can relate to that. So it's awesome hearing those. But we're not finished yet. There's a a little concluding part that we always like to to play, which is a bit of a game, and it goes like this. So I want you to think of where you normally, your normal workspace, and you look up and there's, I don't know, a wall or a window, whatever it might be. So I'm going to give you a bucket of paint and a paintbrush, and you're going to write some words in paint that you're going to see every time you look up. What do you write? I write PLUS, the acronym. Explain. P stands for pause, take a breath. Don't react straight away. Listen is the L. Listen to either the person that you're dealing with or yourself. (laughs) Write down what you're thinking. Understand. Really think about what is it that this person needs or what is it that I need in this moment. And then solve, which is go ahead and try and fix it. I think I need to remind myself of that quite frequently because I always want to just fix something straight away and to not really pause and think about exactly what it is that the problem is and how you're going to go about it can really mess with the outcome. And I think to think about the PLUS before you try and solve a problem or have a conversation with someone can really help have a better outcome. Nice, nice. It's a great acronym and and, and a really strong reminder of just something that we hope becomes an endearing habit or an enduring habit, but the acronym is uh, is super powerful. So thank you for sharing. And Ellie, thanks for sharing, you know, with vulnerability and authenticity, a lot of those hard yards that you've been facing. And again, I'm sure it's been fantastic for a lot of people to, to listen and kind of go, gosh, I'm not the only one who's experienced those things or is experiencing those things now. I'm not sure that the great resignation has actually necessarily finished, And uh, I think there's lots of leaders out there who are kind of still working with uh, a lot of instability in teams and struggles with culture and all of that sort of stuff. And some of your stories being shared, I think, is is going to be great for people and and some of the insights as well. So it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and a massive thank you. Thanks so much for the opportunity. And Ellie, where should people make their travel bookings? Booking.com and make more than five and you'll get that genius program. Thanks for listening to another incredible episode where successful leaders share their hardest yards. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to let people know by sharing the episode around and rating and reviewing the podcast on the platform you listen on. Feel free to join our online community on LinkedIn. You can find the link in our show notes. I look forward to seeing you next week. Meanwhile, keep learning, find the joy in what you do and keep believing in yourself as a leader.